welcome to the Soar Community Network podcast with your host, Malie Ponpadit. Here, inside our community, we help each other see, own, articulate and release our unique message and mission into the world. Uncover your gifts and talents, release your passions, own your purpose and let's soar together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the SOAR Community Network Podcast. I'm your host, Mali Ponpadith, and today we have my dear friend, soul brother, Tony Marciante with us. Tony is a restaurant owner. He's a chef. He is um, a technologist in his own right, and he loves to help uh, individuals, business owners, really take their business to the next level. And I want to talk a little bit, uh, Chef, today about community and partnership and uh, service. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Molly. This is awesome. I'm, this I'm is excited. awesome. <laughs> you know, this is not this is um, not new to us, right? This whole yeah, podcasting got, thing. We've, I think we've done this a time or two. <laughs> well, this time today uh, is about you. I want to make sure that we really understand the motivations behind entrepreneurship and what it takes. So today is featuring you, featuring all the things that you do, and having you share your insights with our listeners um, on really what it takes to be successful and what successful really means. Um, so anyway, let's let's get this uh, show going here. First and foremost, for those that have not heard us uh come together for a podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about your background in terms of why restaurant ownership, why cooking, where did that, where did that come from? Um, well, it started uh, many moons ago in uh, just after high school, actually, or just during high school, I guess. I had, uh, we actually opened our current restaurant called, and it was called Visions. But uh, the reason for that is during high school, I had a vision of myself at a Italian kind of classic Italian, you know, red and white checkered tablecloth kind of spot, uh, sitting in a corner booth, and it was like probably nine thirty, ten o'clock, and we were finishing up a day of work, and uh, my friends were all getting ready to sit down around the table with me, and we were going to get down and enjoy some great food. Funny thing is that I had never worked in a restaurant at that time. I had that vision, so uh, the feeling that I had during that vision was really good and warm and kind of you know. Uh, just very welcoming to me. So I said, well, let me try this restaurant thing. So uh, I got a job at a local seafood place, actually, called O'Donnell's, that has since been turned into a, a giant condominium high-rise, of course. But um, very classic, kind of old-school Italian, I mean, a seafood kind of spot, you know, a lot of um, broiled scallop dinners and things like that. But I got a job as a busboy and quickly moved on to cook in the um the, what they called the Norfolk kitchen which was like this little, little like outside kitchen in the, in the dining room um and you know got into the business a little bit started uh taking bartending classes then she moved on to get a job as a bartender and was a bartender for a while and then very early on I got an opportunity to um get a partnership into a restaurant deal in uh Hagerstown Maryland so Long story short, that's how I kind of launched, and I got into um, kind of an ownership partnership position pretty early, and the entrepreneur bug bit, and I, the entrepreneur bug has always been in me, actually, but we can talk about that later on. But, uh, you know, 27, 28 years, something like that later, we're, we're still in the game. 
Wow. Now, when Visions was born and you um, had the opportunity to open up your own, like full-fledged, open up your own restaurant, Mm -hmm. how did it feel to see that sign on there? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, we actually, um, uh, a little fast forward, the the story I was telling, we, um, my friends and I started a place in North Carolina, in Charlotte. Um, We bought an existing small restaurant and uh, that was our our first full-fledged entrepreneurial venture, and it's it's there's so much you know pride in being able to see your business born, and um, it's funny because you kind of go back and forth with kind of remembering how big and how awesome that is, because you're so busy running it that you know you have those moments where you where you slow down and you actually kind of soak in the fact that you know you're out there every day and people know who you are and people are coming to try your cuisine and what you do and your service and your drinks and your staff and the whole thing. Uh, it's, it, it's an amazing feeling. And having now called Chef Tony's in Bethesda is probably the ultimate because I did grow up here in Bethesda. So it's a lo- my local hometown and I've been there almost nine years now. And so having, you know, having like literally uh, reunion dinners from my high school there and a lot of local people that still, you know, if anybody's still local, they, you know, it's great to be local with your people that you grew up with and be able to have them come in and enjoy dinners and celebrations and all that kind of stuff and be able to know that you're, you're impacting lives that way. So I'm going to go back in time now because you mentioned and you kind of hinted at this, but entrepreneurship um, was something that actually very, very early on kind of bit you, right? Yes. This whole bug. Um, yeah. It wasn't till, it wasn't later on in life, as you had mentioned, but early, early on, I, I know you, you're my soul brother, so I know the story, but can you share with the audience what you were doing when you were a kid and how you were being an entrepreneur then? Sure. And I mean, it's, um, I've, sa- I've said this a lot recently because I'm now in a position to kind of mentor some people and have these conversations, but when I was a kid, I mean, I remember distinctly having my dad's cigar box, uh, old cigar boxes, and buying candy at the corner store. Uh, there was a store called Brown's Community Store, which was like, you know, that was the big deal when you could ride your bike up up to there because it was, you know, a little bit of a ride on the roads and cars and da da da. So that means you're growing up a little bit when you can go to the store. But uh, <laughs> I would buy, you know, like a pack of Hubba Bub or whatever. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, yeah, remember? I remember that. Yeah, and, bre- <laughs> and break it up, and I'm like, okay, I can buy a pack for 25 cents each. Each piece costs me five, and I can sell it for 15 cents at the store. I mean, at the uh, school. And I literally remember. I hope I might even still be somewhere buried in my parents' house, but having a little a little cigar box and opening it up and having a little price list there, and I would just buy candy and sell it in the in the school, and um, you know, making big bucks. But I think because I know and remember that, that I think I've always been an entrepreneur. And actually, I think my, my, my last name is really uh, about being a merchant. So it's kind of funny, Marchanti merchant, you know? Oh, uh, right. Yeah. That was Italian, funny. yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it also presented itself in so many ways. I was talking to somebody recently about, you know, snow and we're going into winter. And I, you know, when I was a kid and it would snow heavy, like my first thought was grabbing a shovel and going to snow to uh, shovel driveways. Like I wasn't worried about going out and you know riding down the hill. I was literally like, I'm like, all right, I'm throwing this on. I'm going to house by house, and I was hustling. And I mean, I just look back now and say, I think that was pretty obvious that I was meant to be an entrepreneur. So, 
You know, it's interesting. I'm going to go off a little bit on a tangent here, if that's all right. When you were describing yourself as a child and coming out with these creative ways, um, you know, to, in your case, to do something that you felt was pretty cool and it was fun. And yeah, it was about making money, but not really. It was about experimenting, right? You had this idea. You wanted to go out there and explore it. Um, when you think about when, when we're children, the world is our oyster, right? We can do no wrong. Every idea is a great idea. Um, I think along the way, as we get older, judgments and fears of what people will think kind of stop us from pursuing those great ideas. Like we stuff it away on paper and put it away. Um, I just want to kind of tap into that because you and I have many, many conversations about uh, freeing ourselves as adults, right? Mm -hmm. And we're still those little children who... I think it's natural for every child to want to explore. The curiosity is so strong at that time. And I wonder how many of us really ever allow ourselves to tap back into that feeling of I have this great idea um, and let's put it out there versus I have this great idea. Oh, crap. No one's going to really buy into this. So let me put it away. Any thoughts on that? Oh, I would, I, we could talk for 10, 10 days on that. I mean – the reality is most people are so worried about what everybody's thinking about them and worried that if they take a chance and it doesn't work, what will happen? You know, and I respect that and I know everyone's built differently. But I've always been somebody who is like dream first and just entrepreneurial vision first and something exciting to do. And I'm, you know, in the grand scheme of successes, you know, I'm, I'm wherever I'm at in the, in the terms of the world. But I, I, to be able to do what I would love to do, even though there's stressful days and hard days and all that, but being able to do that for yourself is so much more enjoyable than having to work for somebody and you know be held into a box because no matter where you are what you're doing if you're working with somebody there's somebody else that tells you what to do how to think how to act and you know some places you know let ha let you have more freedom and there's nothing wrong i don't think entrepreneurial things are for everybody it's not the the life that everybody wants to lead and i i've got my moments you know where i'm like wow this is this is tough but um, I think we just have to maintain a perspective that we think about what we love and that we do the majority of what we love as much as we can. And uh, to be able to wrap that up into a way to make money and, and you know, live in this world is a pretty awesome thing. Um, and there's also other forms of it. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, diving all in or not. You can hustle on the side. You can do things, you know, after you work in your nine to five. But I think for everybody, everybody would probably admit that being able to do what you love and make the, the most money that you can with it and being able to live and pay the bills you need to pay and live your life. But being able to do that with working in something that you love has got to be the ultimate dream. Um, and if you can at least move towards that, I think you'll feel much more excited about life. You know? So with that note, do you feel that you're living your ultimate dream with, no. with that definition? That you just stated? Uh, I would say, I mean, I'm living a great part of my dream, but my dreams change and evolve. So mm -hmm. there's always more things I want to get into. There's more, you know, and that's an interesting question because it, it, you do feel like you, sometimes you can plateau, right? You can be doing something amazing and yet feel like, I think we had an episode, uh, sorry, sorry about the side plug, <laughs> but Creative Entrepreneur Buzz, the podcast that you and I have, have done, Yes. Uh, something about, you know, um, uh, living at the top of your own ceiling, but not knowing or not thinking about the fact that you can break through that and live at the bottom of someone else's ceiling, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh, you know? I love that. Yes. Yeah. Because we all think, well, I mean, we could think, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I got this, I got that, I got this business and it's doing well. And, and there's also a point to not 
feeling like you're never satisfied. That's not good, I don't think. I think you have to recognize your successes. And if you choose to go forward and evolve, which is good, you know, you may evolve into the bottom of another dream that is bigger than you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of a, a push-pull thing. I don't think it's um, necessarily like we're in this area in D.C. that everybody just go, 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 go. And I don't think that's the ultimate answer either. I don't think you have to. I think there's a culture right now of like everything's about the hustle and don't sleep and don't, you know, I don't really agree with that. I think you have to hustle hard, work hard, bust your butt. You know, um, it's in your mindset. Like when I wake up today and I was literally like, I don't want to do anything today. <laughs> but of course I'm doing stuff, you know, like I'm doing a little things here while I'm watching YouTube on my Xbox. I'm calculating some numbers to pay my sales tax or I'm, you know, thinking about a marketing plan. So it's not like work because people, when they say they go to work, like they're like, well, I'm going in to do something I have to do. As an entrepreneur, I think you just live as an entrepreneur. You just think about it. it it's in your DNA. You know, it's not like, well, I got to go punch a clock and start my day and then I'm going to stop my day and then I'm going to go home and not work. Yeah. I think as a, as a, as an entrepreneur, it's just in your blood, you know, and I mean, your, your relaxation is still intermingled with thoughts of business mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not a bad thing. I think it's just in your DNA. I think it's part of who you are and, and as a business owner, you're always thinking about a, a different detail, marketing or execution or whatever. So, and I think it's also the the wiring of an entrepreneur right how we're wired to yeah. constantly be curious to um you know to reach a point and and that you define success and and know deep down in your in your knowing that there's more yeah and and at the same time that we do that, that there's more, there's more, there's more, we can do more, we can share more, we can be more, we can support more, 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 more. Uh, it's extremely critical because we can easily exhaust ourselves out because we don't have, it's a, it's limitless, right? We, we mm -hmm. don't have the same, um, boundaries or limitations in our, in our mindset. So it's just as critical to pause and to be intentional about the pause and recognize your accomplishments and say, hey, what once was there is now here, and I'm so grateful before we just jump into the next thing. I think that's Very the sure. most important thing about being an entrepreneur is, yes, we have this tendency to desire to do more, to be more impactful, to, you know, create change in the world. I mean, the big, big stuff at the end of the day. Um, and sometimes it takes away from the present moment and the mindfulness. So I did, I want to express that because I think we all have that tendency, especially when we're entrepreneurs, we might have two or three projects going on at the same time. And mm -hmm. sometimes we have to remember what are we mapping it to? Like, why are we doing it all for? Is it just think, to be busy or is it really for a purpose? I think it's crucial. I think of you, you a lot because I know for me and how I'm expanding my reach and, and career, I often think about stuff that you and I've talked about, just the, the why of what we do, what we do, which is so much of what you're about is figuring out the, the motivations and, you know, the history of your life and where you're going into, what you want to get into. And it's crucial. It's crucial. But I mean, I, you know, I, it, um, it brings, it brought to mind for some reason that thing about which I hate is, uh, you know, Oh God, it's Monday and then, <laughs> right. and then happy hump day Wednesday. And then, Oh my God, it's Friday. Like to me, that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. I know it's your pet peeve. You're it like, is. Ah! It's, it's, it's one of my many. But like, you know, like if you're looking for those two days after the five days that you supposedly want to get through to get to the two days, then you need to 
rethink your, your I'm, I'm, I'm not going to cuss today. You need to rethink your stuff, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, that's what we're, we're on this earth only once as far as we know, right? Yeah. So thinking about why you're doing what you're doing or why you shouldn't be doing what you're currently doing is really crucial because I think people just get into a habit and a, and a rut of, well, I was, you know, I studied for XYZ in college and now I'm doing that and there I'm going. And, and if that's what you love, you know, like my dad's an accountant and he's, he's retired, but I was so blessed to be able to watch him. He loves numbers. Like he loves the process of accounting. <laughs> I, I, I do not. Hats off. Yeah, hats, hats off to off. your dad. <laughs> I do not. You know what I mean? And we're just wired differently, you know, um, but for him, he did something that he loves. He did something that he loved and continues to love. And that's cool. You know, like not this entrepreneur thing isn't for everybody. Right. But if you do something you love and you truly love it, then you're, you've already won the game. You know right. what I mean? Well, what is that? What does that look like for you? Um, you know, on a day to day, let's now go into the, the nitty gritty of being a restaurant owner and being the the head chef as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you, you have this great blend and maybe it's not great to you on some days, but from the outside, you're not only owner operator, but you know, you're you're in there every day. You're cooking the food, you're looking at your um, supplies, you're engaging with not just the staff behind the kitchen, but you're also having to interface with everybody outside. I mean, that's pretty diverse um, skill set. How do you manage it all? What does it look like for you on a day-to-day? Diverse is a very nice word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's what I do, I guess, even as I did work for somebody with a large company, uh, as a chef, as an executive chef for about eight years, I was usually running the store and it was about a six, uh, it was about a 300 seat restaurant. So even at that time, I think I've always been an entrepreneur as, as we talked about, I even got an award for that company for being the most entrepreneurial mindset of guys. So hmm. as a business owner, you have to run everything, right? You have to cover, uh, like what I do now, the nitty gritty, you know, I'm managing my kitchen workflow food that we have to order in, you know, we, we handle seafood. So that's even extremely more, um, sensitive than any other cuisine pretty much. So day to day, we're looking at what do we need to buy for today? Um, what's the customer flow going to be like? What's the weather like? What's the parties? Do we have a catering? Do we have a, you know, busy lunch expected slow lunch? We're not sure. Um, you know, staff that we have in the front, which, um, you know, they handle so much of the customer facing interactions staff in the back that, you know, are creating the product. I mean, the restaurant game, restaurant business, I call it the restaurant game a lot, is the only business that I know that you do everything under one roof. You think about it, you get the raw products, the raw goods in, in the, you know, in the, in the back door as a delivery. You, you break them down and prepare them and cook them and prep them and get them ready for service. We serve the food. The customer's right there in front of us. They consume it. They pay for it. You know, the whole site, the whole life cycle process is literally under one roof. Uh, we have HR to deal with. We have payroll. We have, you know, taxes. We have, um, you know, tips for the staff. We have public relations. So all that happens on a daily basis every day. So I'm used to chaos, you know. That's why when I'm off, I just like to, like, tuck into a hole and basically just do whatever I want to do. Um, but, like, we're dealing, like, we're, our energy is always outward facing every day. Right. You know, like we don't, we don't, we don't lock ourselves in an office for three or four hours, uh, and then decide to go out and talk to some clients. Like we're on point every day, and every day the doors open, 
like we have a Pavlovian dog response. As soon as I hear the door bang in the front, I look up and I'm ready for somebody to walk in the door. And it could be, you know, could be usually good, could be something stressful, could be uh, deliveries late or, or you know, uh, health inspectors there or, or, you know, whatever. But we don't know what's going to happen. So it's really, we're an active business. I mean, this weekend we probably fed, you know, 300 people on site and another 150 off site. That's so fantastic. all that, yeah. So all that energy going out is really something to get used to, and you know, as you know, and maybe we'll talk about it. You know, getting more into more to consulting and working with other restaurant owners, and it's just a different. Um, it's a really different industry, in my opinion. I think it's really unique because there's so many moving parts. Yeah, we're yeah. definitely going to talk about that. Um, and I and and before we talk about that, I do want to ask this too. When you're in there, and we will call it the grind, right? We're grinding every day. You have to be on. Like you, you don't have a choice. You can't go hide in your office for a few hours because food's got to be made. Mm-hmm. Customers have to be you know spoken to, especially if they request it. I'd like to speak to the owner, the manager, the chef, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you have your downtime, how do you just decompress for you personally? Because everybody's different. But what do you like to do to have that kind of calm before you have to get up again in the morning and go do it again and, you know, show up? Um, that's a great question. I think for me, I, lo- I love watching like videos and YouTube and stuff lately has been a big thing as I've been doing more vlogging myself. I've been creating some mini movies, so I've been watching that industry. Nice. Um, and that, mar- you know, for me, it's a marketing piece, and it's just kind of a fun lifestyle skill. So I've been getting into vlogging lately. You know, I love technology, so I'm usually learning something new about technology, whether it be recording audio or marketing or some um, internet marketing, email marketing kind of stuff. So that's what I do, and it sounds kind of weird because I don't like, you know, go on nature walks and ride the bike, or probably should more, but. Um, you know, I just, I just like to chill in my house, really. My wife and I will get, you know, food. Like, today we're not going to cook a thing. We just decided we're going to eat out or eat, get delivery or whatever it is. But, um, you know, we have, a, we have a big family. Like, my, I married my wife and, um, you know, she's got, she's got three kids and they've got kids. So we've got, you know, family to kind of, uh, uh, you know, attend to and animals here in the house. So there's always something to keep us busy. But we do, our, on our days off, we definitely retract a little bit and, kind of re- regroup our energies and do some fun, creative things and just usually stay in the house. Right. Well, I'm going to go back to your restaurant for a second. I've known you for so long, and your restaurant has had many pivots. Um, yep. There were moments and times when it was just, like, so tough. And I remember having conversations uh, with you, and you were just like, I, d- I don't even know how long I can do this. Uh, it's oh, just yeah. too tough, right? Mm-hmm. How do you... How do you re-energize yourself, number one, to keep going when you know deep down it's the right thing to do? Because there's a difference. Sometimes deep down you know it's not the right thing to do. It's time to call it quits. It's time to give it up. But when you know that it's not time but outside forces make it feel that way, how do you trust that inner knowing to keep going? That's the first question. And second question is, you've had to reinvent yourself in order to keep going. So what was that feeling like, the rebranding and, you know, to, to find that, how do, how do you renew the energy so that it can be fresh? Big, big question. Um, well, I'll tell a little bit of quick history. We opened up in 2007, which was, if anybody remembers, just before 2008. That's kind of how, how the numbering goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2008, like mid, you know, early part of the year was when the recession hit. 
Right. So just picture being a restaurant, a new restaurant, already tough, in Bethesda, Maryland, which already has 200 other restaurants, make it mix even tougher, and then the recession hitting. So pretty much an, uh, a bit of a uh, something storm, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, a really bad storm. So we started tough, right? We started really lean, and we just had to um, figure out. We didn't know that, was, that, that the recession was coming, of course, but, um, you know, it happened. So we went to kind of just slog through, I'd say, for the next two years, uh, day by day. I mean, there was plenty of times when it was me in the kitchen and a waiter, and that was all we had in, mm. enti- in a restaurant of 80 people or 80 seats. Wow. Uh, unfortunately, at that time, sometimes we had two people come in all, all night because the current part of the news was don't go out and eat, you know, save your money, your recession, we're in the recession, and it was all this fear-mongering, and, and it, it impacted everybody on a real basis. I certainly understand that, but you know, I felt at the time, like, how are we going to get out of this? Because all the news was telling you just to, you know, basically batten down the hatches and don't spend anything you don't have to and da, da, da. But bottom line is we just had to slug it through. And it was funny that the whole Chef Tony's thing came out of, um, I had a random guest come in one night on a, a Tuesday or Wednesday night, kind of a midweek night. You know, we were doing a little bit of business and he came in the bar and he was a very like New York kind of guy who had just moved to the area and just had, was full of opinion, you know, that sort of cat. <laughs> um, and, you know, we talked and he was like, what's this whole Visions thing about? And he's like, I've just got to Bethesda and this place needs like a local, you know, like a like a, a place with someone's name on, on it and da, da, da. And, you know, I went here and I went there and I haven't really seen anything. He, he, he liked the food, but he was kind of confused by the whole brand and what it was. And, you know, he was just trying to figure it all out. Well, bottom line is I think that was, yeah, that was probably like a Wednesday. And he kind of irked me, you know, to be quite frank. He was just somebody who just had, was full of opinion. He didn't know me and just was ready to tell me what I should be doing this way and that way. And the other, the other. But <laughs> I, I remember because you called and you're like, he was a jerk and he yeah, said this, but. <laughs> yeah, but I slept on it a couple of days and every time I was sleeping, I just kept thinking that he, he made some really good points. And I think it was interesting because. When I left my old company, which was a seafood restaurant, when I was working for them, because I had moved back from North Carolina many, many years ago, and I decided to get a job for a while, and that job turned into an eight-year stint at a very high-end um, seafood you know, company. Um, but I didn't want to open my own place and duplicate the menu that I was running or, or be another seafood place. I just We kind of went, went a little bit of a left turn, right? We were kind of at the beginning a, a more international, ethnic, kind of multicultural kind of restaurant. But anyways, with what this guy was saying, and I just kept thinking about it, I said, you know, maybe it's time for a change. So this is around 2010, and I just, through a combination of people I was talking to, yourself being one of them, um, I just decided to change the name of the restaurant to Chef Tony's. It's comfortable. It's me. I'm a local guy. You know, we could put a face to the restaurant and have a, a brand that was very understandable. And I remember something that was funny. My mom saying, well, what if people don't like seafood? You know, what if for those that don't eat seafood, you know, are you going to alienate them? And it was a valid point. Mm-hmm. But I said, but what if they do? Right. And I thought that was such a lesson. I mean, she probably doesn't even remember it. But, I mean, it was such a thought about as an entrepreneur, you can't, you can't be all to everybody. You <laughs> just cannot. And if you try to be, you will, you will almost absolutely fail because nobody's going to be able to provide, you know, CVS doesn't sell cars. Right. You know, and, and, and a car dealership doesn't sell aspirin. So, you know, you have to pick your market and go with it. And so we decided to be a seafood restaurant. And we had, of course, sold some seafood as a restaurant, you know, as Visions. But 
I decided to go back to kind of my roots of, you know, my my job before. And I've always been a seafood chef. I've always felt like I don't for some reason I've gravitated towards seafood. I don't really know why, but it just always has been a great you know palate to choose from. So we designed a daily changing menu, and um, just decided to rename it. And we just pivoted, and uh, we you know picked a day. We changed the signs. We got a new website going and we got a new concept here and we said yeah we're focusing more on seafood now and da, da, da. And I gotta say that's you know really where things started to pick up and obviously the recession was starting to to die off too in that time you know a couple three years later where people were starting to recover and getting out and spend a little more money and we did some really heavy promoting and and did a couple Groupon offers and got people to figure out who we were and um, it, it's been really heads up since, since then it's really turned into a booming business and now we're we're um, thankfully enjoying a lot of success and working hard at it still, but obviously not a lot more benefits. So it's um, it's been quite a ride so far. I bet, I bet. Well, which also makes you well positioned, I think, having to see so many ups and downs as the owner operator, but also working in corporate and being able to bring all those skill sets. So let's talk mm-hmm. about what you wish to do in the world beyond your own restaurant now. Um, great, great question. And, uh, there's a lot to talk about. My focus right now is being an industry veteran for 20 years has it been 80, almost 29 years this year, I guess. Uh, I want to really do a lot of consulting and working with other restaurateurs. Um, you know, my own business is, is doing very well and, uh, we will be in a position to have to move in about three or four years because of the development that's going on in Bethesda. So right now, I, I'm excited about opportunities with that, but also really with just connecting with um, either startup restaurateurs or people that are in the you know mid-phase of what they're doing or, or whatever that need help. They need an outside voice. Um, and I've already done you know work with clients that it was so easy for me to see what, where they're failing and what they need to do to pivot. And I think sometimes when you're so deep in the middle of it, it's hard to understand what's going on sometimes when it's right right in front of your face. So I'm excited to work with people going into their businesses, even virtually, being able to dial in and talk to somebody on, on Skype or whatever and just have conversations around what they're doing as, as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur in the food business um, or otherwise. But really the food business is something I obviously have a lot of insight into. Um, and just being able to look at what they're doing, what they're in, in either intending to do or have already started and, and having some roadblocks or some opportunities for growth and um, just being able to coach and counsel them to kind of get on to success because I think there's there's so many opportunities in this business and it's, there's so many elements. Um, it's never a perfect game, but you know I think many times from the inside, you don't always see what you could do to improve and make some big jumps and big gains in not only you know customer service and food, et cetera, but that it drives bottom line sales. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, sales is what saves the game. I mean, you got, you know, you, all the, this is the, the blend of art and, and business, right? You're creating this thing that you, that literally goes inside somebody. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's literally to me the most, um, the most, uh, what's the word, but it's the most, um, touching kind of art because yeah. you literally, it's inside. It's very you. intimate. Yeah. It's very intimate. That's you got to trust, you got to trust whoever yeah. is handling your food. Yeah going in your body and your system absolutely yeah. yeah and i mean if you remember ever getting food poisoning or just getting sick from something you ate wrong like it's the it's worst pretty crucial yeah yeah so i mean you know we're and we get the benefit or a restaurant tour gets the benefit of looking like literally the product came in 
we did some things to it. We crafted it. We cut it. We marinated it. We did whatever. We flipped it, rubbed it down, you know, <laughs> sent it out, and it went into somebody. And now we can get that feedback. And, you know, God willing, it's, it's usually, oh, my God, that was delicious, and thank you so much, and we had a great dinner. Um, but then there's the marketing around it, the crafting. How do we get these people back? You know, in our society, we're so busy that a lot of what we're talking about is just reminding people about you. So I just I love working with people and being being able to counsel them and coach them and and, um, you know, structure their business a little bit differently and be able to, to craft and, and, and really be able to count a, a literal, you know, change in sales and change in customer counts. And and, you know, and then on the esoteric side, the, the arts and craft side, kind of looking at the restaurant from a perspective of, you know, how does it look, how does it feel, how's the vibe, how's the mood? And what can we do to craft a different experience? Because nowadays people are all about experiences. So I think, you know, the, 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 the reality is you could drink a beer at home, right? Mm-hmm. You, go, you go out to a bar because you want to interact with people. You want to get the vibe of the bar. You want to have some food. You, you could create all your food you need in your house. You know, it's so important that you mention this because it's it goes beyond building your business and your brand for you. It's mm-hmm. taking that extra step and, and understanding human psychology, understanding why Yelp and, you know, Google reviews are so critical mm-hmm. because it's not just about feedback that you can, uh, for, for you and your brand and looking good or helping with your marketing, but really being better at serving. Right, mm-hmm. getting better at serving, getting better at delivering on the things that are important to your consumers. I think that the psychology, sociology piece, especially because I'm in marketing, and you, 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 and I are, you know, very um, in alignment with this. How critical it is from a marketing standpoint to connect with your consumers. Oh yeah. I think it goes beyond technology, even though technology now runs the business these days. It's not the other way around anymore. You know, whatever's out there in terms of technology. You got to catch up with the wave and and be a part of it. Um, But beyond technology and the tactical, pragmatic ways to get people interested, it's really having that emotional connection. Why would they come back? Why would they write this amazing review about you um, and and tell their friends about it, right? It's the experience. It really is. That's Uh, I totally agree, of course, as you know. I think, honestly, if you think about what restaurants have meant to society, in the long haul, they're usually way more important than just food, drink, pay the bill and get out. Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, imagine like warriors in like, you know, um, in the, in the, in the, you know, early times that, uh, a, a cafe or what would you call it, like a bar or a saloon or a, mm-hmm. you know, someplace built into a mount where people got together out of the snow and had a, a bowl of mutton stew and a, pint of ale or something i mean it yeah they were getting something to eat and yeah they were getting something to kind of refuel them to their bodies but they were talking to each other they were reconnecting there was that there was no internet right right <laughs> there was no cell phone there it was a place to gather and share ideas and catch up on what's been going on and you know where's the war happening or whatever it is but i think restaurants are always in my opinion the best restaurants are places to connect and connect with food and drink and people and that's probably my magic is that I think, you know, when we can create and you have a lot of regulars and they see each other and they walk in the door. Oh, hey, what's going on? Da, da, good to see you. Yeah, we're back again. We love this place. Da, 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 da. And they come to the bar and they hang out with the bartender and they come talk to me for a minute and they, their, their day is lifted. And it's a connection point. You know, I think restaurants that don't get that or don't use that as part of their arsenal of, um, you know, of, of skills are really missing the bigger point. Because a restaurant is a place to rest, right? It's a place to regather and to 
to connect. So I think that's the bigger picture of what we're doing. Um, and I think restaurants that can incorporate even some parts of that really will start winning the game. Well, let me ask you this too then. Um, you're kind of winning at your game right now. Your restaurant's doing really well. Your brand is out there. You've got some great followings, loyal customers, lots of people coming back all the time. I mean, every time I go there and um, whether any time of the day, there's people there now. Constantly, mm-hmm. there's activity. Mm-hmm. So my question would be, why, why would you then carve out your precious time to help other businesses become successful, why not just duplicate what you're doing and focus your energy on building and franchising and growing your business? That's a very good question. I uh, and one that I'm not really done answering, but mm-hmm. uh, but I think for me, you know, I don't know that having 15 restaurants is my goal. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it is. Let me just start saying that okay. I don't think that is. It could be. It could evolve into that. Because if I can have fun with one, maybe I could have some more fun with multiples. But at the same time, I think I get too emotionally locked in with having the connection with my people. Right. And so I could only be in one restaurant at a time. And I think that maybe that's why subconsciously I don't, I'm not really pursuing getting, you know, investors and finding a spot here and then making another one there. And I don't know. I don't think that's my future. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong. I could, I could evolve my thinking because as an, as you've talked about, entrepreneurs were all about pivoting, right? right. So it's not nothing written in stone. But I think for me, I'm empathetic to business owners, and 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 I think being that I've gone through so many challenges and and thankfully been able to beat most of them, uh, you know, I'm able to understand and feel for them about you know these like some of this stuff is technology, right? Like restaurant owners that don't know about technology and social media and and how to do a good website or whatever, like that's a, that's a detriment. Right. And many times they just don't know or don't realize how important it is. It could be that you walk in and the, you know, the restaurant itself is just in bad shape or the way the waiters are. I mean, I've, I have stories beyond stories about places that are just this close to being amazing, but they're doing some really dumb stuff that prevents them from me, in my opinion, from being that amazing restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just an empathetic piece where I feel um, passionate about somebody that's willing to accept change. If they're reaching out to me, I'd love to be able to be that change for them and help them to like almost like putting on a, a magical pair of glasses and seeing things through a different set of eyes and realizing that they've got so much more opportunity. And I think, unfortunately, our business, our industry is is one where um, a lot of people are able to get into it without that much experience. Like you don't need much to get a restaurant if you've got the money and you've got you know a food service a food license and you've got a liquor license and you can you know get a place you can be in the restaurant business i mean basically like you don't have to go to a 10-year school and get a degree from you know a medical you know place or or a, a law degree i mean you could be in business in a couple of weeks if you wanted to but it doesn't mean you're going to know what you're doing you know it doesn't mean you're going to be a success that's why i think our industry is plagued with failure because not only is it already tough, but many people get into it with the, the wrong impression of what they're going to get into. I think it's got a very romantic side to it. So I like to be able to enhance the romance of the business, but realize that I need to tell people what the real gritty part of it is because it ain't easy. It ain't always, you know, it's not like a big dinner party. You know, <laughs> like it's people think, you know, especially and I find with people with um, some money and some success in a different industry, 
there's some romance about the idea of opening a restaurant because mm. they think it's going to be similar to when they have these lavish dinner parties in their Potomac mansion that it'll be just like that but times 10 but it's not at all it is like literally like you know black and white it's like a different game so I just think for me um, I've seen enough and, and, and done enough to where I think it's a phase of my life that um, I, I'll be excited to be a little bit backed out of the day-to-day, mm-hmm. but still in the restaurant game and still being able to influence and, and really, you know, create maybe a bigger um, platform for myself, but not be, you know, as as much tied down. Because our, our restaurant industry, it doesn't afford you much vacation time. Right. It doesn't, you know, I mean, as we are, the size we are and the way that we are, I mean, maybe, you know, there's opportunities for me to change, but um, we're owner operators there. People see our faces. They know we're there. They don't feel the same if we're not there. And you know, it's a tough lifestyle. I mean, there's a tattoo I heard about that's all all, all about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it's something. Well, you know, uh, this is important for us to share the real life. You know, the behind the scenes stuff. Right. Uh, we saw we see a lot of these things on reality TV, but people forget that reality TV also has the opportunity to be edited before it gets launched. Yeah, that's right. um, you know, it's not like a live stream, which you've been doing a lot of, by the way, which is great. Uh-huh. The, the you know the right now, right here, real time. This is what happens, mm-hmm. and I think there's amazing. Uh, personalities out there who are cut out for this and this is their passion this is their love and let's go for it but I think before you enter into any business and in in particular in your case the restaurant business it has to go beyond just a a cool concept or idea you really have to love being in service of others through food yeah I mean and you know the funny thing is like there's restaurants in Bethesda that are closing down all the time and some of these, you know, I think they become a little soulless. Mm. You know, when you speak about expanding and having, you know, more locations, and, and it could be great, but I think it's hard to inject your personality and your soul into more than a few places at least. I mean, right. I, I just think it's hard to. And um, and plus the cost of doing business nowadays, especially in an area like this, I mean, rents are, rents are rising. You know, there's always going to be another restaurant to come and want to take a shot at it. Um, I mean, I just heard of a place the other day that's a big corporate spot. You know, they, they do burgers. Well, they've only been open like less than a year and they're already closing. Wow. You know, their rent is $14,000 a month. Oh, my gosh. So think about that every day when you wake up and you've got to basically pay 500 bucks a day just to pay your rent. That's a lot of burgers. Yeah. You know, that's 50 burgers a day that you just you got to sell just to pay that one bill. That one bill, which is one line item out of a whole P&L, you know, regardless of like insurance and employees and water and gas and electricity and da 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 So it's, it's a tough game. You know, I think that's why I feel the empathy because I hate, I mean, I think cities are defined by their food, you know, in, in some ways. And the others would say arts and museums and that's cool. But like for me, like if I was going to go to a city, the first thing I'm thinking about is where where are we eating, <laughs> and where are we going to go enjoy some? Because that's you know I like to do that kind of thing. Yeah, shockingly enough. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you go to Philly, and what do you think of? Well, you think of the classic cheesesteaks. You think of uh, uh, Morimoto has a sushi place there. Whatever level, whatever style, whatever you know, I love all cuisines, and um, you know, certain cities have certain flavors, and I think that's I think the independent restaurant tour to say another statement really makes that scene. So what do you think uh, DC is all about? And then mm. and then beyond DC, you know, zero it down into Bethesda. So what do you when when people think of DC or when you think of DC, what comes to mind in cuisine and when you think of Bethesda, what comes to mind? 
Besides well, Chef Tony's seafood, of, of course. course. Of course. Uh, I mean, DC to me, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't expand, I don't uh, explore as much as I should or as I, I could if I was, wasn't working all the time. But I think DC's food scene has really grown a lot. I think it's got a lot of interesting chefs that are doing, um, you know, niche restaurants. Uh, you know, there's some high level multi city kind of chefs, but there's also a lot of really cool high end cuisine that's in these little tucked away alleyway kind of restaurants where it's almost like an underground kind of thing. Um, the pop up restaurant has gotten really popular. Of course, molecular gastronomy continues to, to show itself. You know, I think the best restaurants to me are always built on solid food foundations, you know, and I think flavor. I think DC's gotten its share of being, you know, kind of. Um, what's the word, kitschy and popular and, and kind of like certain little uh, niche restaurants. But I think, you know, um, it'll continue to, to evolve. And I'm certainly not an expert at the D.C. scene, but I would say like as you, as you asked Bethesda, Bethesda's gone through a lot of growth and a lot of contraction at the same time. Um, there was a lot of restaurants that have been around for a long time that ended up closing when, when the recession hit. Um, and I've seen, I mean, if I think just in the nine years I've been there about the number of restaurants that have come and gone, it's pretty significant. Um, and I think it's interesting because Bethesda, I think, has a bit of that, the, the failure of kind of the, the public to accept new places and be excited about them because they've seen so many places come and go. Like there'll be an announcement, oh, so-and-so is coming, and you'll get on one of these local websites and people are like, oh, I bet it'll suck just like this one did or I bet they're not, you know, and it's like, geez, they haven't even opened the doors yet. Wow. And people are like judging them. Like how can you, it's not even make sense, you know? So I think it's... Um, it's a blessing and a curse to have a really busy food scene. You know, I think Bethesda's got, I mean, I guess we're one of, we're actually, uh, have to say, rated number four on TripAdvisor. Uh, nice. In all, in all of Bethesda, yeah, out of 200 restaurants. So nice. I guess it's, and that's another entrepreneurial conversation to have. It's just like recognizing your strengths and your successes. Because I just found out like a couple of months ago and it's kind of, you know, I keep doing what I'm doing every day, but we've we've done pretty well. So, you know, the feedback is good and I think it's, um, you know, Bethesda scene will continue to grow. There's some restaurants that have been established for quite some time. You know, I do think, I think even in a town like ours, you know, you, you have to just carve out your side of it. You know, like some people are going to come into our places. Our, our decor is more comfortable, more laid back. It's an older building. It's kind of a, you know, dark kind of nighttime restaurant, in my opinion. And some people don't want that. Right. But, you know, they want to go to a place that's full of like chrome and mirrors and black, you know, black, uh, wrought iron stuff or, or real, you know, whatever it is, each place has its own vibe. And, you know, you can't be like everybody else. You have to find your best expression of what you are. And so we've done that and we have our clients that love us. Right. Um, you know, so it's always, a, it's always a, 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 like poetry in motion, you know, <laughs> constantly looking at it. Well, you started to do that uh, naturally anyway, but I was going to ask you, what are some of the ideas or tips and advice you have for business owners that are in that? I would say, um, I wouldn't say startup, but like they've been, they've been at it for a couple of years, you know, kind of that mid range, right? They've been at it for a couple mm -hmm. years and they're not quite sure, but they're kind of plateaued. Like they, mm -hmm. they want to be excited. This is their thing. They're not trying to get out of it. It's just, they need a little bit, maybe a little inspiration. Um, what are some things that you can share with them to keep them motivated, keep them going and growing? Yeah, no, great, great question. I mean, my number one, my, my number one skill set is to listen, you know, to always be available and listen to critical feedback. Um, I think personally, you need to stay 
first of all, ma- managing your personal energy is really important. You know, we are very hard workers, and I think being in a, such a rut to sometimes just go into your restaurant every day, work, go home, sleep, go home, you know, go back. You need to break up and, and kind of like break up your day and just take walks around the block, even that. Even that, like I try to walk a different path sometimes when I'm coming from my parking space because I know I'll run into somebody, have a quick conversation, see something's going up. So just changing your day around because I think as a, any creative business, we get into ruts because, you know, we're comfortable and we sometimes like that rut. Um, but if you're in your business and you're not quite sure, you know, you want to continue, but you're kind of getting getting stuck, I think just changing up your routine, you know, looking at your schedule, maybe looking at, do I have days where I shouldn't be open? Right. You know, we start closing, we, we opened Mondays, um, about two years ago, maybe three years ago now we did Mondays for about a year and they were actually pretty busy, but we were working seven days a week and we we're exhausted. And my wife, you know, pushed me and, and as she should have and said, you know, why don't we think about Mondays if it's really worth it? And, you know, and I felt like, well, it's money coming in and sometimes it's 500 or a thousand dollars. And, but you know what, to be able now to look and we start closing Mondays to be able to look at Sunday night and go, okay, we're going to have a day off tomorrow. It's really invigorating. Even if you're not going to do that much, to have a day where you just wake up and say, whatever happens, whatever schedule we want to be on, we, we can be on. Um, so changing up your schedule might be a good idea. Maybe, you know, looking at, at if your business is growing enough, training people to do more of what you do, meaning, you know, trying to delegate some responsibilities, which is tough for restaurant people because mm-hmm. we always have easily can quote 10 times that people have failed us, right? We've, we've hired a sous chef. We've hired a line cook. We've hired a good waiter. Oh, this guy's going to be amazing. And then they crap out on you. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes the ones you don't think are going to be good are actually the best. Right. I don't know why, but I've had that happen before for, for sure. So I don't know. I think that's a few things. I think, you know, looking at your numbers, I think looking at your hardcore numbers and saying what you're selling. I mean, I, I went to do a, um, a one-day consult with a place, and this lady was overwhelmed. I mean, she was the typical, I don't say typical, but she was, you know, uh, the quintessential bartender, she was probably in her 50s, but, you know, everybody loved her. She loved the restaurant. Um, she was the, you know, the barmaid of the, of the town. And she ended up buying the restaurant, which was probably her worst decision ever mm. because she was just overwhelmed. Like, you just see it. I mean, she literally would tell you, like, I, she, wanted me, she, wanted me, she wanted to sell me the restaurant. Mm. I walked in there for a day and, and just did, like, a one-day, you know, two- or three-hour council. And she's like, why don't you buy it? I'll work for you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not here to buy a restaurant. Like, wow. geez, but she was overwhelmed. And so I went in there and just quickly like saw, you know, I talked to her and her, her husband about the business and he was kind of a real like uh, Marine Corps kind of guy, very nice guy, but like really hardcore kind of dude. And she was like the nurturer, like the mother hen kind of type. <laughs> and like, as an example, like, you know, people, I, I was guaranteeing her that people were stealing from her. Her bar was losing money all the time. She was losing product. She had food that was in there that should have been thrown away or should have been, you know, looked at as far as how many you're selling a week and why are you making it. I mean, she just didn't know a lot. And she was just overwhelmed. And she, you know, I went in there in two hours and just found so many opportunities for her. So, you know, I just think as a business owner, you can get locked into your own method of thinking. And 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 it's creative too. So like imagine you put all your heart and soul into a dish. And the customer sends it back and says, this is terrible. Right. I mean, just think of how that makes you feel. But you have to balance your emotional side with your business side and say, well, if you're saying it to them, it's true. 
and to me, I just lost money. And if it happens enough, you need to start thinking about that dish. Now, just because one person said it sucks doesn't mean it sucks. Right. Because everybody's <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah, completely. You know, you got to balance constantly between the creative, you know, sensitive side and the hardcore business number side. And you have to, like, if that dish sucks, you need to put your own feelings on the side and say, I'm stopping to sell that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change it or I'm going to take it off the menu or, you know, whatever. But it's constantly a balance. I mean, imagine you paint a picture, but that picture, somebody buys it every day and they take it away. And then you paint it again and somebody else says, oh, the picture's terrible. Like, how, how do you address that? So it's tough. I mean, it's a, it's a really unique industry. And um, I think there's a lot of ways just to, uh, to skin the cats, so to speak. But th- those, those are some things I think that could shake you out of your, you know, your funk or kind of get you on a new growth, growth uh, cycle, you know? Yeah. Well, we're already coming up to an hour here. I just want to ask you also to pause for a moment and celebrate your successes. What are you most grateful for right now, considering such a journey you've been on over the past nine plus years with this particular restaurant and also just the journey of restaurant hood? Mm. (laughs) Um, What are you most grateful for and what are you most excited about uh, where you are now and, and turning the corner? Well, I have to be grateful for my wife. Her consistent support is unbelievable. Uh, my friends, you you being one of them, who you know listen to me at the struggle, at the most struggleful times, if that's even a word. Uh, my parents, <laughs> we'll make it a word. Yeah, my parents for sure, because they've always been by my side, helping me, you know, to to be a sounding board or or give me money when I needed it. <laughs> I mean, they certainly didn't flo- float the restaurant, but they certainly helped me especially in those, those early recession times. I mean, there was a, it was a tough cash flow thing for a while, but thankfully we were able to beat that. Um, I just, you know, I would have to say just being, growing as a person to understand, you know, what I could do better, listening to my um, supporters that have been coming to the restaurant for years now. Uh, it's just been a real interesting journey. And to be able to, to take a moment and say that we're like one of the places of Bethesda that people, you know, talk about, that people are always consistently coming to and that people, I mean, I've had, you know, I've had a couple of proposals happen in my restaurant. I don't know if you know of any particular ones, but um, we've yes. had some, yeah, some Yes, my husband did surprise me with that one. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. And so I guess just being, a, you know, creating a moment just to appreciate those moments and um, being a part of celebrations, being kind of realizing that you're a bit of an institution uh, in an ever-changing world of Bethesda, I mean, to be there nine years is is pretty solid, mm-hmm. and to continually grow um, and I think evolve the business. And as as you know, I'm out there a lot with social media and my website and videos and stuff that we do. So it's kind of it's an active kind of um, legacy kind of thing. Right. People get to know us, and yet still new people find us. So it's always fun. Well, I also want to um, give you a shout out for doing something that's really cool, which is always supporting local. You talk about it a lot, but you don't just talk about it. You're doing it. You know, you buy as much as you can locally uh, every time they have some type of uh, festival or community experience or uh, organizational support for you know, feeding children, feeding Mm -hmm. the needy, you're there. And that makes a big difference being a hometown kind of guy, like you said, you know, having your picture and your brand um, on your building, but also living that brand is something different. 
you know, people will, can do a beautiful job in marketing and putting their stuff out there. But then when you open the door or peel away the onion, so to speak, you realize, wait, they're not really an integrity with what's being out there. Mm. So I appreciate all that you do. I don't know a lot of people know that about you. Um, but you have a program, for instance, right now where if people check in on Facebook, you're feeding hungry children all over that's the country. Right. That's, uh, that's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a ministry by a company called Causely, mm -hmm. causely.com. It's very cool. Uh, any local business owners anywhere in the world or in the country at least um, should check it out. It's very simple. Basically, they link up with your Facebook account and you pay a monthly, you know, you pay based on the number of check-ins that you get, but every check-in feeds a child. And um, it's such a simple way to coach your, your clients, your customers to do some good. Because literally, they're just pulling their phone out, going to Facebook, checking in, saying, hey, I'm here at Chef Tony's, having lunch, whatever. Um, they can put a picture. They can obviously tag other people. Um, but it's a really cool way for um, us to give back and have a company that is really an expert at, at administering it. Um, and they vet all the, the charities and they, they administer the program. So it's a, it's a fun thing. And as I said to you a couple weeks ago, it's amazing what we talk about in our vision boards and in our ideas, how it comes to fruition. But it was just an obvious yes when I came across it and, and started investigating them. So it's a, it's a great program. Well, what Chef Tony is referencing is that many years ago, when we continued to do this, um, we drew out on his table how, paper. What, paper. Table, <laughs> table, table cover, yeah. Yes. Uh, the vision for his business and for his life. And one of the things that were um, an ongoing theme was just being able to support more children, feeding more children, educating children about food and health and all that good stuff. And here it is coming, you know, to life for you and, and you jumped on the opportunity. So it's really cool what we put out there in our mind's eye and then what can actually happen in reality. It's pretty cool when it, it comes to life. It's way cool and it's kind of crazy because I think um, we often don't believe that that stuff really happens. And, you know, it, 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 it's funny because it just it gets into us and somehow it shows itself. Mm -hmm. And I think when you consciously bring it up as a part of what you're about, you start to see those things. You know, they start to pop up and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. There and you, you go. start to move toward it, um, I think. You know what I mean? It just kind of manifests itself. Like we've, I'm just checking the numbers real quick. We've done 99 check ins in about two weeks. Wow. And that means 99 kids get, get a meal. And it also benefits our business because people are spreading the word about us, mm -hmm. you know. Everybody um, wins. Prior to this, we had 15 check-ins last month. So wow. Think <laughs> In two weeks versus the whole month. That's incredible. Yeah, it's way cool. We're supporting this cause uh, to feed the kids with this program called Causely. It's administered by Causely.com. And I definitely suggest it for local business owners um, to check it out because we're able to feed kids across the country and across the, the world, actually. Um, they administer the, um, the support and uh, vet the charities. And um, by every check-in on Facebook, we feed another child. So it's a really cool thing. We've fed 99. We've uh, had 99 check-ins since uh, two weeks ago. And in August, all of August, we had 15. So being altruistic here, it's, it's benefiting our business because people are checking in and kind of spreading the word. But every time they do that, we feed another child. So it's kind of amazing. That's really cool. Well, thanks for your contribution. It's a huge deal that you're taking that extra step. You know, it's benefiting your business, but it also is serving so many people. 
um, around this country and hopefully at some point around the world. So thank yeah. you so much. So chef, let's, um, let's tell everybody how to come to your restaurant, get to know you, uh, hire you for consultation. Where can they find you? Cool. Well, our restaurant's at, uh, in Bethesda, Bethesda, Maryland. Um, it's called Chef Tony's. So you can go to cheftoniesbethesda.com. The website's actually pretty fun. We have a lot of interactivity on there and we take, um, you know, a lot of fresh pictures of our food and our events and things we're doing and causes we're working with. Uh, for me, probably the best way uh, to find me is uh, uh, my newly launched website, tmarchanti.com. That's T-M-A-R-C-I-A-N-T-E.com. I'm sure you can link it up somewhere. Um, but that's where I have more of my stuff around consulting and working with other businesses. Um, I'm always on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash cheftony. So probably the best way to find me is there because I'm always – kind of check it in but um you know you can certainly find me pretty easily that's great well definitely follow uh chef tony marciante on facebook he's vlogging now so you can see some of his cool Vlog videos youtube <laughs> yeah you youtube is really fun and i have to suggest to people that have businesses like think about the content that you can make for youtube and other platforms i'm on i'm on instagram and all that but video is such a powerful message um I just find what I do myself, just as advice to other business people, you know, look at how you can create video for your business and don't be shy. Don't be worried. It's not perfect because you know what? You know what? Perfect stuff is not finished. Uh, so we could have talked about that for about another half an hour. Right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just get out there. And, my, you know, my little piece is with the cell phone. If you have a smartphone, it's the most powerful device we've ever had in our pocket. And you'd be amazed what it can do to, to build your business and and talk about you know you can talk about whatever we have the instant ability to broadcast yeah i mean literally like facebook live you can i had somebody watch 200 people watch my facebook live the other day and it was just me in the restaurant for like a half hour that's doing my customers my my line cooks my you know so it's pretty amazing so anyways you can find me but more importantly find yourself out there and be able to produce some content that'll bring people to your business that's great. Great advice, Chef. Thanks so much for your time again, and definitely thanks so much for your friendship. It's been uh, such a great uh, support system to have, and now that you are here sharing your insights with our listeners, uh, I value you personally, and I know that our audience values uh, what you had to share today, so appreciate you very much. Yeah. You got it. Same, same back at you, of course. Great. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the SOAR Community Network podcast. We appreciate you as always, and we will talk to you very soon. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of SOAR Podcast. Join us by visiting soarcommunitynetwork.com.